What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Cinderella, and I am back with another case. Happy New Year, y'all. We are now in 2022. I hope y'all let a lot of that dead shit go in 2021, and y'all are going to start y'all year off on a great foot. Because I know I did, because I spent New Year's in Orlando with my family for my daughter's competition, and we came back national champions, okay? Okay? So we starting off on a great foot over here in this household. I don't know about y'all, but our New Year started off really strong. Ivory champions, okay? Mm. Y'all better learn. Um, Other than that, you know... It was a good little break not to record. I wanted y'all to just relish in the first 12 episodes, re-listen, and just be ready for the cases we will be discussing this year. Speaking of cases, this week, y'all, it's pretty interesting. You know, it's weird. It's some white people shit. I will say that. You know, white people be on some crazy ass shit. And it's weird if you think about that real quick because they be trying to coin the whole black on black crime. But when I be looking into this true crime shit, it be a whole bunch of white on white crime. And I know them numbers is bigger than black on black. They be trying to criminalize us like we the ones that be causing the issues. But lo and behold, these wiggers be wigging. But anyways, it's a murder this week. It's a good murder, y'all. I, I mean, if it is a good and bad. But it's a good murder to me. It was a good case. It was pretty interesting. But before we get too much into that, you know what we got to do. We got to identify a theme. This week's theme is going to be punishment. Okay? Punishment is the act of suffering, a pain, or loss that serves as retribution for an offense. As a mom... I be handing out punishments like Kit Kats, okay? They be doing shit, and they be needing a time out or two. I'm learning gentle parenting, so, you know, I'm trying to, like, reconstruct why they did and, you know, try to talk to them more. But every now and then, get your ass in time out. Parents use punishment for poor behavior or performance in school, as well as teachers, coaches, mentors, you know. Everybody knows what a punishment is. Another association would be in the judicial system. I mean, judges give equitable punishment to the crimes committed. Or so we like to believe. We are in Medicine Hat, a small town with a population of about 60,000 folks or so on the outskirts of Alberta, Canada. It's April 23rd, 2006. A young six-year-old boy left his house to go see if his friend could come outside and play for a while. It was a nice Sunday, about noon, but when he didn't get any response from knocking, he peered through the window to see if he could see if anybody was home. The car was in the driveway, and it was Sunday, so usually the family would be home. But what he did see frightened him terribly. He ran home as quick as possible and told his mom. She soon called the police for a wellness check. According to the six-year-old boy, he had seen a body laying in an awkward position through the window, and he was not wrong. Mark Richardson Deborah Richardson and their eight-year-old son, Tyler Jacob Richardson, had been murdered in their own home. 
Mark and Deborah were found in the basement and Tyler was found upstairs. The reporting officers described it as the most horrific scene they've ever encountered. The amount of blood from the parents' stab wounds was immense. Deborah had been stabbed 12 times. And I don't know if y'all be watching Criminal Minds, but that classifies as overkill. Like, bitch, that's the first sign of a personal killing. Um, because business is one hit a quitter, maybe two just to make sure. But stabbing somebody 12 times and stabbing is already an intimate act of killing. Um, 12 times is a lot. That's tiring, okay? That's a lot of energy. Even if you try to, like, hit your leg right now 10 times, you're going to be tired. And thinking about putting a knife through somebody and letting it come out and putting it back in, you're fucking crazy. On top of that, Mark was stabbed about 24 times, nine of the wounds being to his back. Mark tried to fight back with the screwdriver, but... He sadly lost that battle. The killer had caused so much blood with their wounds, they decided to take a little time to finger paint the walls, as in using their hands and anything they can find to use the blood as paint on the walls. Upstairs, the eight-year-old son had been murdered, stabbed four times in the chest, then ended with his throat slashed in his own bed. Just downright nightmarish for a small-town Canadian cop. But there was another thing scary about the scene. Jasmine Richardson, their 12-year-old daughter, was missing from the home. Has she been kidnapped? Will they find her body too? Or will they be lucky to find her alive and unharmed? Maybe at a friend's house? The police put out an APB out on Jasmine, saying they needed to speak to her urgently about a serious family matter. They didn't immediately tell the media who the victims were, but they did say they were investigating a homicide. And by investigating, they were taking everything from the scene of crime and seeing what they could find. And what they found would turn the investigation on top of his head, all in Jasmine's room. Once the police started going through her room, they realized that Jasmine was a member of social sites such as Vampire Freaks and Nexopia. And this is in 2006, so I was like a freshman. So we was using MySpace. I remember me and my homegirls taking pictures on the digital camera and having to upload them on a computer to put them on our MySpace page and make sure, you know, we were squatting with the middle fingers up and shit. We was real ratchet. Anyways, they weren't using MySpace in Canada. They were using St. Connex Opiate. And I'm thinking it's more like Kick, maybe more like MySpace, but whatever. It was for weird ass people. And I'm not saying everybody was on there weird, but I'm saying like rotten apples. If one is bad, throw away the whole bunch. They were trying to see if maybe they can find out where the girl was and if she was safe. But they realized that she could soon become a suspect in the crime. Her diary had entries about hating her parents and wishing they were dead. But like, maybe that was usual for a preteen girl, right? Wrong, bitch. I don't fucking relate. What wasn't normal was the messages between her and some guy that they soon learned was Jasmine's boyfriend. 
One message in particular that caught the police's attention said, I have this plan. It begins with me killing them and ends with me living with you. <laughs> um, excuse me? It's starting to look like these motherfuckers done killed Shadi's parents. But like, why the fuck would they do that? Nobody would know until they could find Jasmine and not only make sure she was safe, but to possibly catch a killer. Well, after digging through, they learned that Jasmine had ran away with her little boyfriend, Jeremy Stank. And I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I know how to spell it. Y'all know how this go. And because it sounds like Stanky, I'm going to just say his name, Stanky. We're going to just go with that. Her and Stanky done ran about 100 miles over to the small community of Leader, Saskatchewan. And sidebar, let me just say this. In my 30 years of living, I know that was a real place, y'all. So, we're going to play a little drinking game tonight. Maybe a smoking game. We're going to, you know, whatever your vice is. Um, but every time I say Saskatchewan, you got to take you a shot. <laughs> because now that I know that's a real place, bitch, I'm saying this shit all throughout the goddamn episode just deal with it okay because i really thought there was a fake ass place like where the abominable snowman live you know that's a fake ass nigga so he lived in a fake ass place like i remember saying saskatchewan and like hand games and clapping games like miss mary mack went to saskatchewan type shit i really did not know it was a place in canada of course they got no weird ass names who would even think of that <laughs> anyways they ran out to Saskatchewan in an attempt to fulfill the plan of living happily ever after. But the police found their asses in Saskatchewan. Jasmine wasn't scared, distraught, upset, nothing. When they got arrested, Jeremy asked Jasmine to marry him, and she said yes. Like, on the way to jail, these two stupid motherfuckers were thinking about getting married. <laughs> okay. I don't know if they thought they could invoke spousal privilege, but in America, you got to already be married. So, that don't count. Hopefully, Canada is similar in that case. We going to see. Y'all know they a little soft up top. Um. Anyways, Jasmine was in bliss, having been with her boyfriend for a whole 24 hours. Her only concern during the arrest was him and when she would be able to see him again. Jeremy was feeling the same way, but... He was also feeling pretty braggadocious, which is crazy because if he wanted to make sure Jasmine stayed solid, he should have led by example because this man started running his mouth as soon as he squatted and coughed. <laughs> like, he told everything. Like, this man was in the jail cell like, hey, you heard about that triple homicide? Yeah, you're looking at him. Me and my old lady have become legends. And then proceeded to tell the details of the crime like my girl slit her own brother's throat and didn't even flinch. She was even laughing while we were on the road. Yeah, she's got a few screws loose too. Mm, you don't fucking say. Like, what was even worse than him bragging about this travesty to a random? That it wasn't a random. It was an undercover police officer. Stupid. He even had the nerve to say, you ever watch a movie, Natural Born Killers? I think it's the best love story of all time. Now, let's get into Natural Born Killers real quick. Because, as a true crime junkie, I done heard of this movie more than a hundred times. And I have never had the urge to watch this shit. Because every time I hear this goddamn movie, it done inspired two crazy ass white people to do some stupid ass shit. 
Okay, apparently it's about two lovers going on a killing spree, starting off with the girlfriend family, and then they start killing off random folks on this road trip across the country type shit, you feel me? Quentin Tarantino, who my nigga, who, but he ain't my nigga, you feel me, because he likes saying the word nigga, but I fuck with his movies, right? Quentin Tarantino wrote the screenplay, but the film was butchered, re redone, and just, like, totally refurbished by the director, the producers, and other writers and shit. So, eventually, Quentin Tarantino ain't even fuck with the film. Like, he has disowned the film, the name, the screenplay, everything. He don't fuck with it, you feel me? It is the eighth most controversial film ever to be made it wasn't even allowed to be distributed in the united states until they took out the more violent scenes and that's saying a fucking lot because apparently the white people that get to watch this shit done seen some violent ass shit <laughs> i'm just confused like it got some big names in it you feel me it got like tommy lee robert downey jr you feel me apparently it got some good people in it but i ain't fucking watching it because if it inspired niggas to do shit like this i don't want no parts Anyways, I digress. I just wanted to let y'all know what that movie was. Because it just basically gives you the blueprint of what the fuck is about to go on. So what would drive a young girl to perform such a heinous act? Well, apparently, let's start with the fact that Mr. Richardson had told Jasmine that her 12-year-old ass needed to sit down somewhere. Because she don't need to be dating Jeremy Stanky ass. Because Jeremy Stanky was a grown-ass man. Jeremy Stanky was goddamn 23 years old. What the fuck a 23-year-old gonna be doing with a goddamn 12-year-old? Let's put this in perspective. When you 12, when I'm 12, I was like 6th, 7th grade. 23, you should have, like, graduated college, you feel me? Grown as fuck. Put that in perspective. Weird as fuck, bro. Why the, yeah, sit your ass down, little girl. So, he had punished his daughter, like a good father, concerned, you know? Because where I'm from, the nigga would have got his ass beat. And then would have been in jail somewhere, missing, dead. You never know. But it wouldn't have been no punishment. Like, it ain't going to be your choice, little girl. This man going to end up missing and you never going to see him again anyway. Because he got the right fucking family. And so he was just punishing his daughter, doing what a good daddy would do. And she ain't like that. <laughs> this dumbass girl just took that as, you know, gasoline to her fire. Because she was supposed to be some sweet, young, social, outgoing girl. Like a normal 12-year-old girl, right? But she was super goth, dressing older than what she was on her little vampire freaks page she was saying she was 15 and whatnot so she was using like the heavy makeup and shit trying to make herself look ugly as fuck and old as hell they had met at like a punk rock concert and eventually found each other on nexopia first and started just you know like messaging and whatnot and i just don't understand what a 23 year old has in common with a 12 year old to have any kind of conversation but they was conversing and apparently it's because he dropped out he's stupid and he was getting his ass beat by his mama's johns and shit like that and she knew it but she wasn't stopping it so you know how people be trying to blame their childhood and how they being fucked up and shit um, so the strike number one was the fact that this man was 23 years old, right? 
Strike number two, he a high school dropout, ain't got shit going on with him, and clearly he think dating a 12-year-old okay, so he fucking dumb as hell. That's strike number two, right? Strike number three, this motherfucker walking around talking about he a 300-year-old werewolf. I wish y'all can see me blinking right now, because what the fuck you talking about? Why Why would you say that? Why? Would, why? why do you want to be a 300-year-old? Was Twilight even out when I was in ninth grade? I don't... I mean, the book was, but... <laughs> he wasn't acting like he was Jacob, okay? He wasn't a sexy werewolf. <laughs> he couldn't transform and shit. So, this man walking around telling people he a 300-year-old werewolf. He wearing a vial of blood around his neck, and I just don't fucking get it. Like, where's the appeal? I have yet to see it. Miss Mamas, okay? I was never into dating older men. Like, I don't understand how these girls are so fast in high school and stuff trying to date these older men. I was not into it because I automatically looked at the super seniors like y'all too old. So, I'm not looking at no nigga outside of the school. Like, I'm really going to think you're perverted. And that's what I'm thinking now about Mr. Stanky. That's why his name is Stanky. Jeremy Stanky was just too proud of himself for his level of manipulation of this young girl. Like, he could get her to do anything at this point. She was believing this facade he put together of himself. She was fully committed to this gothic lifestyle. Like, they dreamed of murdering her family and running off to live in a castle in Germany together. Like... <laughs> Girl, you ran off 100 miles to Saskatchewan, but you talking about you wanted to go to fucking Germany, bitch. I don't think you understood how to get there. <laughs> you can't drive to Germany, okay? But you 12, so I know your range of thinking ain't far, but maybe the 23-year-old should have had some sense. I'm just hoping, maybe. That's a little too much, I guess. Okay. She was defying her family to be with him and even turning on her old circle of friends. But just as much as he fancied himself smart, he was quite dumb. He talked way too fucking much. And that was this couple's tragic end. On April 22nd, 2006, Jeremy was hanging out with some of his friends, kicking shit, watching movies. They was on their true crime shit and decided to watch Natural Born Killers, right? After the movie, niggas was tripping. They was like, the motherfuckers was crazy, but at the same time, they had balls or whatever. You know, mixed, mixed reviews. But Jeremy was agreeing with the previous statement, like, they had balls, you know? And he was like, me and my girlfriend should do the same shit, but I ain't gonna spare her little brother. Um, hypothetically, right? Excuse me? Like, but who would have known that he said what he said? Because <laughs> that night, he dressed in all black and made his way to the Richardson house. Jasmine lets him in, and they ambushed her parents. They did the vicious deed and then parted ways for a little bit, with her walking and him getting picked up. Because <laughs> it's safe to let a 12-year-old walk around at night by themselves to a gas station to meet up after you murdered her family. That was a smart plan. Who came up with this? They met at the gas station, and then they went out to grab a bite to eat. <laughs> Let's have dinner, babe. Before they headed to Jeremy's house for the night. On April 23rd, Jeremy and Jasmine decide to hit the bricks and leave town so they can start their new life together. Like, we, we, have, we have things to do, baby. 
They was like, where should we go? And they said, to Saskatchewan. So they called Jeremy homegirl, Casey Lancaster, to come pick them up. And they said, let's go all hang out in Saskatchewan. I don't know why she said yes, because, listen, ain't nobody calling me to drive an hour and some change. No fucking way. Okay. Who putting gas in this motherfucking truck? And then, why we hanging out with a 12-year-old, bitch? Like, <laughs> what she about to do? Read us a book? I don't know. I, I just ain't the one to go hang out and do the same shit I could just do at home alone. Um, I'm just not that friend. Anyways, Casey took their asses out of city limits, which really is the reason she got charged with an accessory after the fact and disposal of evidence in exchange for testimony though in an attempt to make this case airtight they lowered the charge to obstruction and just ordered her to stay clean from alcohol drugs but she along with other friends proved to be reliable character witnesses to the trial now i actually can't go too much into the trial because um once jasmine was identified as a suspect in the case she was protected under the youth criminal justice act where her name could no longer be published in the media and her case could no longer be discussed because she is a minor but on july 9th 2007 jasmine now 13 became the youngest person convicted in multiple counts of first degree murder in canada's history she was given the maximum sentence. <laughs> but don't get too excited because you would think that it's an equitable punishment to the crimes that she have committed. But we're not talking about a long sentence. We're just saying the maximum sentence she was allowed to be given for her charges. And first degree murder should be given life sentences, right? Not in this case. In Canada, under the same Youth Criminal Justice Act, 12 is the youngest possible age at which a person can be charged with a crime. And convicts under 14 cannot. I repeat, convicts under 14 cannot be sentenced as an adult. And if that's not enough protection, they can't be given more than a 10-year sentence. No matter what the crime is, no matter what they did, no matter how many counts, they cannot be given more than a 10-year sentence. So she was given the maximum sentence of 10 years for killing her entire family. But wait, <laughs> there's more. She was given credit for the 18 months she spent in jail until sentencing. Then, they sent her to the psych ward for four years. Then, after four years in the psych ward, she was given four and a half years under conditional supervision in her community, which first started at a group home and then was under conditional supervision as she lived alone. Conditional supervision. Probation. She was freed after final sentence review on May 16, 2016, no parole, no restrictions, no supervision. 
That's how protective the Canada law is of serial killers. Because once you kill three people, you are now a serial killer. You're a family annihilator. You are a fucking psycho. And not in the crazy sense, just in the psychological sense. Jeremy Stinky was tried and convicted on three counts of first-degree murder in November 2008. On December 15, 2008, Stinky was given a life sentence for each count. But again, they a little soft up top. So he was not given the sentences consecutively, meaning back to back, meaning 75 years till you fucking die. You're going to rot in this fucking jail because you're grown as hell and you know what the fuck you did. And you deserve the punishment for the fucking crime that you performed. No, no, not consecutively. They allowed him to serve his sentences concurrently meaning at the same damn time he is eligible for parole after serving 25 years in prison i don't really have anything that's too cloudy about this case i mean it's pretty straightforward like it was a lot of shit that was really weird about it but in the end we know who the murderer was we know and just why they did it and it was just really unfortunate a whole family a mother a father a husband a wife a child had to lose their life to their own flesh and blood to prove her love to this grown-ass man that had no business to be with her in the first place and when i say she was all in though like she really had like took over into this persona because like she was taking pictures and shit let me tell you about these pictures i done found the shoddy okay she done she holding the glizzy in one hand with the with the goth eyeliner looking crazy as hell she got another one with her man and they both posing like she had totally changed up who she was in order to serve this man like she was groomed to be a killer and it's just unfortunate for her but i also lack sympathy for her i wholeheartedly believe she deserved more time like 10 years was not enough especially how she got to spend her 10 years the judge that had originally sentenced her in the crime was the same judge that gave it a final sentence review and gave her total freedom because she started going to school. She was in a program and, you know, doing her group therapy and maintaining herself and growing. And though she never really explicitly expressed remorse, they were saying that she was living a remorseful life. And I mean, yeah bitch because now you're totally alone in the world the family you did have that was connected to the family you murdered is not fucking with your stupid ass because they don't care about you being 12 years old your father tried to do something in a form of punishment to protect you and in turn you decided to murder your whole family really so they said she lived a remorseful life but I don't know. I just feel like her sentencing was a little too lenient. I do believe she was young, so people learn from their mistakes. But it's just a certain level of mindset and intention that she had and hatred for herself that turned into hatred for others. And she is a danger to society. 
I just, I understand prison is meant to be reformative and whatnot. So, in essence, it did what it had to do for that young girl. But also, I just think it just comes with growing up. Like, you should leave shit that you see in the movies in the movies. Like, nothing is that serious when you're 12. Like, yes, it seems hard. Yes, it's overwhelming. I do believe there are 12-year-olds who deal with certain mental health, like trying to find themselves and trying to be comfortable in their own identity outside of their parents and growing into that early teens and not yet teenage stage it is hard for some of them but it's never that serious to want to kill your family bro like and to be all on social media with it like you didn't do it because this is how you've always felt and then this guy came along and y'all you know, planned it together. No. You were this happy-go-lucky-ass little girl. Met this boy at this little concert or whatever. And decided that you wanted to be goth and all down with the dark world. Because he a werewolf of blood around his neck and shit like that. And the greatest sacrifice is to murder your family. Like, you're fucking crazy, bro. But that little girl was not fucking crazy. She was dumb, but not crazy. Like, what I say in my third, I think it's my third or fourth episode, it's a Halloween episode. If two wrongs don't make a right, try three, that's the episode. Stupid can translate to crazy, but most crazy people ain't stupid. The statement still rings true, but I digress. And... Even though they tried to make it seem like he was 23, so he came up with most of the plan. No. According to the court cases, you feel me? He was definitely saying it was all her plan. But he had posted this weird-ass post on Nexopia like, Their throats, I want to slit. They will regret the shit they have done, especially when I see to it that they are gone. They shall pay for their insolence. Finally, there shall be silence. Their blood shall be payment. So, it's looking like, you know, he had a little bit of motive his damn self to plan this shit. And he older, so it would have been easy to assume that he manipulated her into believing that's what she wanted to do. But, sometimes, people really just be crazy as fuck and ungrateful and unappreciative. And they just be wanting to test their limits. So... You never know. Jasmine is free, living her life. I believe she's probably changed her name. Um, I can't find too much about what she has going on now. Um, years later, I still haven't seen any like explicit apology videos, letters, blogs, nothing. So, who knows? It's not like she has to publicly apologize. It doesn't appease my spirit any. It's just the fact of like, you know, show a little bit of remorse. I'm not mad, though, because it just shows that sometimes people do things they really mean to do. Just like Stanky. Like, I hope he don't ever qualify for parole. Because in America, how parole works, you have to admit to the crimes and show remorse for it and take accountability. And they will consider giving you that freedom. But Stanky has decided to change his name, but not really take away the low-key fame he has earned on these cult websites. 
will he ever take accountability in the sense of the judicial sense of wrongdoing? I don't think so. So hopefully he doesn't get fucking parole. But, you know, like I said, they real soft up top. You see how that sentencing went. And if he stays behind bars, hopefully Jasmine can continue the path she has found in life. Because, I mean, throughout her sentencing and throughout Jeremy being in jail, they still wrote letters to each other pledging to be together after their release. So who's to say when he gets out of prison, they won't be together? If she has no type of supervision, no parole, no anything, they can't stop her from being with another felon. Because after five years, her record is permanently sealed. So actually, I was not even able to really look at her court documents. I only have her story painted from what the media has covered from the prosecution in the case they were able to see. White people are fucking crazy, bro. Like, you just don't be thinking shit like that would happen like they even had a neighbor who said they had lived there for like three years and like nah they weren't close and shit like they wasn't going back and forth you know sharing tupperware borrowing sugar but they was quiet neighbors they wasn't like doing nothing extra they wasn't you know loud abusive crazy um having parties drug addicts they weren't doing nothing while they lived in a small quaint little town of sixty thousand people working day to day having the four person family one girl one boy piggy fence type shit and their own daughter killed them over not being able to take the punishment for her father having a foresight that this grown ass man will not serve you any purpose in progressing you on the path you're supposed to be on Okay, y'all, so one of my promises to myself and Cloudy Conclusions podcast was that I'm going to be more interactive with my listeners. So, again, I want you all to leave reviews on whatever podcast platform you listen to me on. Let it be Apple, Google, Spotify, Anchor. Just leave me a review so I can see what's up and give me some feedback. I might not listen, but i like to see what you think. Also, I will be adding polls and questions to each podcast. So if you're on Spotify, please continue to scroll down and you will be able to interact with me that way. Also, if you will go to Cinderella.com and click the Cloudy Conclusions link, you will see at the very bottom of the page a suggestion form so you'll be able to fill out the form and give me some suggestions on true crime that you would like to hear me cover so i know that was a lot of information but go check out cloudy conclusions on ig and i will leave a nice reel with instructions as well thank you guys for listening and make sure you follow me on ig anchor.fm spotify and apple podcast at cloudy conclusions